Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary, Port St. Lucie. Let's join student and creative arts pastor, Will Price, with the message, Tables. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I personally love to gather around tables. To me, there's nothing quite like enjoying a meal and conversation and just good old-fashioned fun with family and friends around tables. I really believe that some of the greatest memories that we'll ever have will be shared around tables. Now, over the past few months, my wife and I have been talking about buying a new um, dinner table for our formal dining area. Um, Currently, we share meals and do family devotions and Uh, play board games and all kinds of stuff around this relatively small four-person dinette-style table. Um, And we love that table. We'll we'll probably keep it in the space that it's in and continue to use it. But we're really excited about getting uh, a bigger table for our our formal dining area. Um, Here's the thing. For years, um, our formal dining area has been our homeschool classroom. And so when you walk into our house, uh, you'll see an elementary style classroom. And my my wife has created it, it's absolutely incredible. It's been great for our kids over the years, but we're at this place right now where our kids are getting older and we're kind of rethinking that space and we're looking at creating a a seating area for our kids um, to do school and then we're looking at putting a new dinner table in the formal dining area. And for us, um, I don't know about you, but having a table for us is a big deal because we know that this is gonna be the table that we're gonna be able to connect with family and friends um, around for years to come. And so that's what happens at tables is connection. And what I love about tables is that it's one of the most important places of connection for human beings. Like I said, we, we have... Uh, incredible dinner time at, at tables. We have uh, times where we laugh and we cry around tables. It, it's at tables where we have negotiations and make big life decisions. Um, it's around tables that we, we play games with our family. Humans just have a way of connecting and showing up around tables. And it shouldn't be surprising then that God has a way of showing up at tables. For example, in the Old Testament, there is a table called the table of showbread. Now, the table of showbread was a very nice table made of acacia wood and was lined with pure gold. And so a very, very nice table. And and what they would do is they would take this table of showbread and they would put it in the tabernacle near the holy place. And on the table held 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, interesting, that word showbread literally means bread of presence. And so the table of showbread represented God's willingness to come to the table and fellowship with man. And so the priests would go into the tabernacle to the holy place and they would break bread at the table and fellowship with God. Pretty interesting, right? If you look in the New Testament, 
we see that God showed up at tables too. In fact, Jesus' ministry started out at a table. The Bible teaches us that his first miracle was turning water into wine around a table. We also learn that Jesus ate with Pharisees and other religious leaders around tables. We find that it was around tables that Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. And then really interesting, Jesus' ministry closes around a table as he ate the Passover meal with his disciples. And so throughout the Bible, God had a way of showing up at tables. And so today what I want us to consider is how God shows up in our lives at tables. And what I wanna do is share three tables with you that I believe that God shows up. The first table we're gonna talk about is a table of decision. The second table we're gonna talk about is a table of celebration. And then the third table we're gonna talk about is a table of provision. Would you pray with me? Father God, as we look at your word today, as we consider how you show up at tables, as we consider the incredible connection that we have around tables, Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts in an incredible way. I pray, God, that today your Holy Spirit would fill this room. I pray, God, that today decisions would be made. I pray, God, today that uh, you'd give us something to look forward to. I pray, God, today that you'd provide all of our needs according to your riches in heaven. And so, Lord, do your thing in this place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the first table I want us to consider is what I call a table of decision, a table of decision. Now, in the book of Matthew, there's a story about none other than Matthew himself. And here's what we know about Matthew. We know that Matthew was a tax collector, which means three things. First of all, it means that Matthew was filthy rich. And the reason I say filthy rich is because tax collectors during that day and time were very wealthy people, and they would make their money through dishonest money-making schemes. And so Matthew was filthy rich. We also know that Matthew was despised by pretty much everyone. The religious elite saw Matthew as extremely sinful because of the way he ran his business. And then the people in the community were the people that Matthew stole from. So they hated him. And then the last thing that we know about Matthew is that he was protected. So he was filthy rich, he was despised, but he was protected. Meaning this, that being a tax collector meant that he was a source of money for the Roman Empire, and that came with high levels of protection. Okay, an interesting set of circumstances to me for Matthew, because on one hand, Matthew seemed to have a lot going for him. He, he, he had a lot of money and he was protected, but on the other hand, uh, he was hated by a lot of people and probably on a lot of people's hit lists. So that's Matthew, and, and the Bible tells us this about Matthew. The Bible tells us that one day Matthew was working at his tax collector table and, and that he had an encounter with Jesus. If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter nine, verse nine, it says it this way. 
It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax table or tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. You know, for me, this account of Matthew's encounter with Jesus is quite simple. Jesus said, follow me, and Matthew did. You know, there's no back and forth dialogue recorded. There's no questions from Matthew to Jesus about what it might look like to follow him. No, the Bible simply says that Jesus said, follow me, and Matthew did. And while this account of Matthew's life might sound overly simple, what I want you to consider is what that table represented for Matthew. First of all, that table represented Matthew's livelihood. Okay, that table was Matthew's source of income. That table was how Matthew provided not only for himself, but for his family. And I can just tell you as a man with a family that being a provider is a big deal. And so for Matthew to walk away from this table meant that he was walking away from what was, I don't know, monetarily comfortable and probably fulfilling. And let's not forget that that table also represents protection for Matthew. And so for him to walk away from that table meant that he was exposed or vulnerable to his enemies, the people who hated him. And so, I don't know, at first glance, walking away from this table to follow Jesus doesn't make sense. At least it's not as easy as it looks. But what I want you to understand this morning is that while that table represented Matthew's livelihood, it also represented Matthew's greatest struggle, and that was being hated. Being hated. Think about this. There is no amount of money in the world that could take the place of relationships. There's no amount of money in the world that could take the place of of people actually liking you and wanting to be in relationship with you. I, I really believe that we, as humans, were made for relationships. Money and things are just bonuses. And I, and I think without relationships, uh, but those bonuses just kind of become distractions to what we really want the most. Do you know what I mean? Now, my guess is that while Matthew may have appeared to have some great things going on in his life, inside, he was empty. Let me put it to you this way. What was on Matthew's table wasn't working. It wasn't working. But then Jesus comes along, right? Jesus comes along. And Jesus sees right through the wealth and right through the protection. And he sees a man who's desperate for a relationship. He sees a man who's desperate for love and acceptance. And he says, Matthew, come, follow me. Follow me. And listen, I know I'm reading between the lines just a little bit. But I really believe in that moment that Matthew saw 
and felt the love and the acceptance in Jesus' eyes, something that he was longing for. And I believe that it was in that moment that Matthew trusted that what Jesus had for him was far greater than what was on his table. And so he walked away from it and he followed him. And so I just wanna ask you this morning, what's on your table? What's on your table? Maybe for you, it's a career that makes you feel successful. Maybe for you, it's going from relationship to relationship to relationship, just searching for love. Maybe for you, it's an addiction that you've been battling with for a long time that makes you feel really good in the moment. But would you just consider this morning, what's on your table? What's on your table? Yeah, it might bring you satisfaction for today. And sure, it might make you feel a little bit happy at times. And I get it. It might feel good in the moment. But can I just ask you this morning, what happens when the career fails? What happens when the dating relationship ends? What happens when the chemicals run out? My guess is that you're probably left feeling empty every time until the next thing. Can I just tell you this morning, Jesus wants to be the next thing. Jesus wants to be the next thing. And in the same way that Jesus went to Matthew's table, he comes to your table this morning with all of the love and the forgiveness and the happiness and the joy and whatever, it else, whatever else it is that you might need. He comes and he offers you something so much greater than what's on your table. He offers you forgiveness for all of the mistakes that you've made in your life. He offers you a one-way ticket out of this temporary and difficult life and into eternal life. He offers you freedom from the power of messing up over and over and over again. He offers you strength to live the kind of life that you know you want to live. Folks, he offers you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, and I could go on and on and on, but he's here today just saying, hey, I know it's not working anymore, so why don't you follow me? Think about it. Think about it. I mean, I, and I gotta tell you, out of all of the amazing things that Jesus offers us when we decide to follow him, you know one of the coolest things that he offers is an invitation to another table. Very interesting. Jesus calls us from one table and he invites us to another table. I like to call it a table of celebration. 
a table of celebration. Would you turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 7? Verse seven says, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So get this, in John's vision, John saw and heard a bunch of people praising God. Why? Because of the marriage supper of the Lamb. It was about to begin. It was a supper around a table that followers of Jesus are invited to. Now, what's it all about? Well, to be able to understand what's going on here at the table of celebration, or as the Bible calls it, the marriage supper of the Lamb, we have to understand the customs of New Testament times, okay? And so, so just track with me here for just a second as, as, I, as I talk about this, because it really is fascinating, and, and, it, and, it, and it means something absolutely incredible for us. But there were three phases to a marriage in New Testament times. Okay, phase one was when a contract was signed and then the groom would pay a dowry or a payment to satisfy the, uh, the, 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 the father of the bride. Okay, and what, what would happen there is that uh, it would initiate the betrothal or engagement period. Then in phase two, the groom would parade through the streets on a journey to the bride's house to get her. Now, while he's parading, the bride is expecting him to come and watching and waiting. When the groom arrives, the bride joins him and they go back to the father's house. And then the final phase of the marriage happens when they have a huge marriage supper around a table. And let me tell you, it's always a huge celebration, okay? And so what does that mean for us? Well, here's what it means for us, okay? John's vision in Revelation 19 is a vision of the wedding supper of the lamb and his bride, okay? What you need to know is that the lamb is Jesus Christ. The bride is the church. Those of us in the room today who have walked away from our table to follow Jesus, okay? Interesting, his vision is of the final phase of the marriage, right? It's the supper. It's the table of celebration. What about the first two phases? Listen, this is incredible, okay? If you have not been listening up to this point, you need to listen now. The first phase of our relationship with Jesus is when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And you remember how in, in a New Testament marriage, how a dowry or a payment had to be made to the father of the bride? Well, guess what? Jesus' blood is that payment. 
Jesus' blood is that dowry that satisfies the Father. And when a person walks away from what's on their table to follow Jesus, he or she becomes a part of the church. And he or she's sins are forgiven. The payment is made to the Father, and the Father is satisfied. Aren't you glad about that this morning? And so now, as the church, we are betrothed to Christ. And we are waiting for the second phase to happen. Does anybody know what the second phase is? The coming of Jesus, also known as the rapture of the church. Now, remember, I just shared it. In the New Testament marriage, the groom would parade through the street to go get his bride, and the bride would be waiting. And so Jesus is coming back to get his bride. Jesus is coming back to get the church, and he's gonna take us back to the Father's house. My question for you this morning is, are you excited about that? Like a good bride, are you watching and are you waiting for your groom to come get you? Do you wake up each day thinking, this could be the day? Do you really? I hope you are, because let me share something with you from the book of Luke that should encourage you if you're not. Luke chapter 12, verses 37 and 38, it says this. It says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. Verse 38, if he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them the wake, blessed are those servants. And so what a beautiful promise we have to look forward to, to be watching and waiting for. Folks, he's coming to get us. He's coming to get, our groom is coming to get us, to take us from one table to another. Now, while we wait. Okay? While we wait for that glorious table of celebration, I gotta be honest with you. It's not going to be easy. I believe that Jesus is worth following. I believe that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. I believe that following him comes with incredible promises, but one promise it doesn't come with is struggle-free living. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will, not you might, not it depends on your circumstances or how good you live. No, 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 you will have many troubles. Not, not just a trouble, many troubles. You know, King David was a man familiar with many troubles. I mean, this guy dealt with a lot of physical, mental, emotional and spiritual pain. You know what I mean? I mean, King David dealt with suffering, he dealt with loss, he dealt with depression, and, and, and hardships of many kind. 
In fact, many of the Psalms that David wrote speak to the struggles that he had. And I don't know about you, but those same, same Psalms speak to the troubles that I have. I, I mean, they literally reach into every part of my life. The ups, the downs, everything in between. And, and I really think one of my favorite Psalms has to be Psalm 23. Do you guys love Psalm 23 or what? We're gonna put it on the screens. I want you guys to read this Psalm with me. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, yes. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. What a good word. You know, one of my favorite lines in that psalm is the line in verse five that says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table, a table. I gotta be honest with you guys. For years, I misunderstood this verse. <laughs> For years, I would read this verse and maybe it's just the kid in me or the crazy imagination that I have, but I would imagine a dinner table with massive amounts of all of my favorite kinds of food, like pizza, <laughs> double bacon cheeseburgers, filet mignon, believe it or not, Doritos, definitely some pumpkin pie, and Dr. Pepper to drink, okay? And, and so, I, seriously, I would envision myself at this huge dinner table feasting on this stuff in the presence of my enemies, like snakes and fire ants. You know what I'm saying? But seriously, I, I'm, I'm preparing this message last week, and I'm, I'm studying the scriptures, and I'm researching words, and I realized I may have been wrong the whole time. Can, can I just tell you this morning, this verse has so much more to do and is so much more fascinating than pizza and pumpkin pie. It, it really is. Because here's the thing. Psalm 23 was written from the perspective of a sheep. Okay, now if, if you know David, you know that he was a shepherd. And as such, he was very familiar with sheep. And so what he's doing in Psalm 23 is he's writing from the viewpoint of a sheep to the shepherd. Okay, you prepare a table before me you, my, my, my shepherd, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I mean, maybe I'm missing something here, but sheep don't eat at tables, do they? I mean, that's one of the most unique things that humans do. Sheep's, sheep don't do that. You prepare a table. Okay, what, what does that, that mean? Well, that word table in the original Hebrew language actually means a flat place, or better translated, table land, table land. 
It's the equivalent of the Spanish word mesas, which means a flat-topped plateau of an area. Okay, now, now these tablelands, these mesas, these flat-topped plateau areas were very hard to reach. But what I learned this past week is that every good shepherd wants to lead his sheep to the tableland. And so early in the year before the snow melts, a good shepherd will travel through the valley, up the dangerous hillside, to the tableland, to survey the land and prepare it for his sheep. And so what he'll do is he'll go and he'll check for predators and he'll either kill them, run them off, or set traps for them. Then he'll check for poisonous plants and bushes and grass and things like that and he'll eradicate the area of those. And then finally, he'll make sure that there is a reliable water source for his sheep. What's he doing? He's going ahead of the sheep in order to make provisions for them. He's preparing a table in the presence of the sheep's enemies. He's gonna lead the sheep there. And and can I just tell you, God is so good. He's a, and all the time, God is good. Yes, he is a good, good shepherd. We sing a song called Good, Good Father. Maybe we should rewrite it, Aaron, wherever you are, and and write a song called Good, Good Shepherd, because he is. Listen, as our good shepherd, did you know that God goes before us and inspects every detail of our lives and makes preparations for the messes that we might get into? He's a good, good shepherd. Did you know that he goes ahead of us and he scouts out the area for every danger that could come our way and has already worked out a solution for us? See, he prepares a table for us. He calls us from the table of decision to the table of celebration, but while we wait, and let's be honest, and struggle through life, he prepares a table of provision right when we need it. And so look, as a follower of Christ, as someone who has been to the table of decision and looks forward to the table of celebration, I want you to know this morning that you can take that journey with all of its ups and downs and know that no matter what, Your good shepherd has prepared a table of provision for you. Listen, if you're here today and you're in a season of pain, if you're in a season of suffering, if you're in a season of doubt or loss or any other kind of hardship, can I just encourage you to get your head up and put a smile on your face because God has already gone before you and he's guiding you somewhere really, really good. He's prepared a table for you in the midst of all this. He's gone ahead of you during this dark time and he's made a table of provision for you and he's leading you to that place. And I know that it's hard to go through difficult 
things. And it may be even harder to understand, but sometimes God has to lead us through the dark valley in order to get us to the high plateau of provision. Come on. You know what we do so often? We, we want God to just teleport us straight to the table land. But God says, hang on, hang on. I gotta lead you through the valley first. And don't worry, I've gone ahead of you. Don't worry, yeah, you might go through a dark time. Yeah, it might be difficult. Yeah, there might be danger ahead, but just follow me and trust me. I am your good shepherd, trust me. Everybody say trust. trust. That right there is one of the biggest things at the heart of a shepherd next to his unconditional love for his sheep. It's trust. The shepherd wants the sheep to trust him. And sometimes leading sheep through rough terrain is what it takes. Do you know what I mean? And it's through those times that the shepherd is able to prove himself faithful. And so he says, follow me. During this time of depression, follow me. During this time of separation from loved ones, follow me. During this time of confusion where you don't know where to turn next, follow me. During this time of loss, during this time of struggle, just trust me. I have what's best for you in mind. Continue to follow me. I'm guiding you. I will protect you. And maybe the best news yet, I'm leading you to a table of provision. I'm leading you somewhere so good. Are you excited to get there? Some of you need to get there today. Some of you need to get there today. Some of you are going through some difficult stuff. And you need God to show up at a table of provision. He's guiding you there. I have just a few moments left and, and what I wanna do is just share just a really quick point of application for each table. Okay, these will be really quick. I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail about them. But I just wanna share just some closing thoughts with you, okay? When it comes to the table of celebration, church, bride of Christ, be on the lookout for Jesus to come. Be ready. Wake up every day with the expectation that today could be the day. Because let me tell you something, when you wake up like that, when you live your life expecting Jesus to come at any moment, it changes the way you live. It realigns your priorities to look more like God's priorities. And some of us need that in our life today. We need to realign our lives to look more like the, the, the life that God's calling us to. So wake up every day expecting this could be the day. And boy, let me tell you, you're gonna wanna be ready. All right, when it comes to the table of provision, remember this. When you decided to follow Jesus, in that moment, you trusted that what he had for you was better than what was on your table. And it is. Forgiveness of sins, being clothed in the righteousness of Christ, having the, 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 the gift of eternal life. I mean, all this stuff 
is so much better than what was on your table, but it doesn't mean that you won't struggle. And can I just encourage, so can I just encourage you this morning, continue to follow God as he leads you through the struggle. Okay, think about this. Write this down, tweet it, update your status with it. But take this home with you. You ready? Don't run from God in the valley or you might miss out on the provision that he's made for you on the mountain. Finally, the table of decision. There's two types of people here today. Some of you are here today and you were called from the table and you decided to follow Jesus. Praise God for you. But many of you are here today and you're stuck at the table of decision. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while and, and, and every time you come, you hear, follow me, follow me. Leave that old life behind, come follow me. I'm just wondering what is so good about what's on your table that you're not following Jesus? I bet if you look back 10 years, I bet that what's on your table has changed a lot. You keep going from one thing to another, looking to fill that empty place in your life, looking for happiness, looking for joy, looking for whatever it is you're looking for. You go from one thing to another, one thing after another keeps coming on your table. What's on your table today though? Is it your career? Is it an addiction? Is it, an, is it a relationship? What's on your table today that Jesus is saying, hey, come on, come follow me? My guess is that while it might work sometimes, it, it doesn't work all the time. You know, there's that scripture that says there is pleasure in sin for a season. Okay, and so that means sin is good sometimes for us. It makes us feel good. Okay, what, what's on your table that is good for a season right now, but you know is just gonna let you down eventually? Jesus is here today saying, let me be your next thing and I'll be your last thing. Okay, think about it. What's on the table today? Are you willing to walk away from it? to follow Jesus. He offers you forgiveness of sins. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. Jesus offers you forgiveness for all of that if you'll follow him. He offers you eternal life. Wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. Okay, we don't dance around that truth here at this church. We believe in hell. And what's on the table for you this morning is leading you there. Jesus says, come follow me. I'll give you life eternal. He offers you 
the power of his Holy Spirit to come live inside of you and enable you to live the life that you know you wanna live? What's on the table isn't the life you wanna live. Be honest. Jesus says, come follow me. I'll help you live the way that you were designed to live. So what's on your table this morning? If you're here today and you're tired of what's on your table and you're ready to walk away from it, I wanna invite you in in, in an example, in a, a display, in an illustration of walking away from it to get up out of your seat and come walk right up here to the front to just say, okay, what's on my table is not working. I wanna trust that what, has, what Jesus has for me is better. So I'm gonna get up from the table and I'm gonna walk and I'm gonna follow Jesus, okay? Anybody here today that would wanna make that bold move, an illustration right now, right here today in front of all these people to say, today's the day I'm following Jesus. Anybody in the house? I know it's a lot of people. I know it might feel a little bit embarrassing. It might be something that makes you feel scared, but can I just tell you, it'll be the greatest stand and 20 feet of walking that you'll ever make in your life. Is anybody here today that wants to walk away from what's on the table to follow Jesus? God bless you. God bless you. That is a brave thing right there. Now what you're seeing right here is you're seeing faithful women of God, prayer warriors, or who, who are coming up here to minister to these people. Anybody else? Come on, what's on the table? What's on the table that you need to walk away from today to follow Jesus? Just stand up right where you are and make a bold move and come forward as an example of your faith and your trust in Jesus, which by the way, is what saves you. It's your faith that makes you well. Young lady, it's your faith that has made you well today. Anybody else? I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna carry this on much longer, but I just wanna throw it out there one last time. Is there anybody who's ready to walk away from the table to follow Jesus today? Come on up here. You guys make way for her to come up here. God bless you. Anybody else? I know it's hard. I know it's a room full of people, but and this is just a big family of God. We've all been there. We know what it's like to walk away from so much in our life to to follow Jesus for a better life. It's not easy, but we we love you. We're a big family here. We'll support you. Anybody else? Okay. Now, for you two young ladies, as I said earlier, the Bible's very clear. It's it's your faith. It's, it's, It's a recognition that what's on the table's not working. It's a recognition that What's on the table is is sinful 
and it separates you from God, and it's walking away from that to follow Jesus. And it's having faith that what Jesus did on the cross for you is real, and that his blood is the payment for your sin, and that it satisfies the that, that right there, faith in that, is what makes you well. That, that is what being saved is all about. What we like to do in church, though, is we like to pray in this moment. And really all it is is just a way for you to communicate to your heavenly Father what's already happened in your heart. And so for you two young ladies up here today, I commend you, I'm so thankful for you, I'm proud of you, I'm praising God for you. And I wanna take, I, I want you to take just a moment to, to talk to your heavenly father. And so may, maybe something like this, Father, I'm walking away from the table to follow you today. Father, what's on the table isn't working. I've been chasing after so many things, but I haven't been chasing after you. I, I confess my sin in that, and today I'm making the decision to walk away from it and to, to trust Jesus and to follow Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead and that you give me a hope of eternal life, and, and I just wanna follow you for the rest of my life. I look forward to the table of celebration, and it's in Jesus' name, amen. Can we praise God for this? Amen. So listen, the, the Christian life really is a journal journey from one table to another. It begins at a table of decision, and let me tell you, when you decide to follow Jesus, you get a seat at the table of celebration, okay? But while we wait, while we wait, there will be hard times. But take heart. Don't be discouraged. Be confident and hold your head high because God has provided a table of provision for you to carry you through until Jesus comes and takes us home. Would you stand with me? One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at calvarypsl.com. Click on I'm New Here, then Knowing Christ.